Welcome to How It's Musically Made, a podcast dedicated to redefining the art song tradition. I'm your co-host, Ben. And I'm your co-host, Maggie. Today we're chatting with Group 3, Baldwin, Vidita, Smith, and Georgia, about their work so far in creating an original art song. So first, how does an interdisciplinary conversation begin? And what did you all do as a group just getting started for the first time and having an initial conversation? We were all on the same page in that we wanted to get to know each other as people, which we felt I think mutually would really inform the kind of um, you know, final product or final piece that we were going for. Just chatted about music that we like or artists that inspire us, made a little bit of like a joint document with um, all of our favorite tidbits, um, varying genres and things like that, um, and discussed a lot of, you know, the kind of music that really speaks to us personally, as well as texts um, or like literature that we enjoy, things like that. So I think we were all just trying to find common ground in that area in terms of a subject, as well as in terms of like a, a musical sound world that we were trying to create, as well as sort of what we felt were our our strengths, especially on the performance side of things. Just to, to jump in on, on this too, I think that uh, it was really great to, to get a sense of what everyone uh, had worked on, like in the past, like what kind of projects that they had worked on versus like what they would say they like listen to regularly or what they um, are kind of interested in uh, outside of what what everyone kind of does individually uh, as their own music or like own uh, writing or whatever. Uh, but I thought that was was kind of a nice, nice sense to get as well. Were there any specific artists or specific authors or anything everyone seemed to have interest in? I know we talked a lot about Sufjan Stevens the last time we <laughs> chatted. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a, a common um, common source of inspiration for us. And um... Yeah, we did talk about St. Vincent. Um, and I think that actually has a, a pretty strong influence on the piece as it is now. Uh, but Smith and I also connected on our love for Phoebe Waller-Bridge who's a director and actress known for doing Fleabag uh, and Killing Eve. And uh, we were really attracted to the kind of offbeat humor, um, but uh, a very smart writing. Um, But it's a kind of humor that can quickly turn very dark and kind of expose uh, personal trauma. Um, And I think that sense, that kind of affect and, and that dynamism uh, was really present from uh, Smith's earliest drafts of the text. So I kind of wanted to play with that character uh, musically as well. Yeah, let's let's start with that piece of text. Three weeks ago at this point, Smith, we had talked a little bit about how you were trying to bridge maybe sections of this poem and then how Baldwin was mentioning how music could do that work filling in. Can you tell us about the kind of development of this text and maybe let's start with you reading it. So I, I think we're, we're still, the title is still in progress. So, so untitled for now, but here's the text. You find yourself in action. You wear a shirt with buttons. You speak in boring passages. You're a tree emptying, a train going by fast. The fire's gone out. The fire's gone out. You're still here singing. The fire's gone out. The fire's gone out. What's happening to me? The train rattles the house like a wave passing through a boat. It shakes you. It shakes you and you shake out. And you shake out all the bad things you've done to yourself. To yourself. Mm. So that 
that's uh, the dramatic reading of, of the text uh, without music. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think, kind of, you know, it, going back to kind of what we were talking about, we kind of, I think, started collaging a little bit of, of kind of what we were thinking about, these different ideas, different themes. So what I kind of did was bring in a couple different options of texts and then uh, everyone kind of started to, you know, note lines that they liked, uh, note parts that they liked, what they what they didn't like, et cetera. And then we kind of started to collage what those three different pieces had that people were interested in, in together and then kind of form it from from there. What were the first few lines that um, that got you started with with the full poem that you have now? Uh, I certainly think you wear a shirt with buttons. You speak in boring passages. Uh, was was from one piece of text. Uh, you find yourself in action. Was the first line of a different piece of text. Yeah. Then you know uh, the fire's gone out is kind of the refrain that that we picked from from one of the pieces uh, as well. Um, so yeah, it's kind of all woven woven together at this point. But we're two pretty, I would say, pretty different pieces of writing. Uh, that that came together. Did you guys think of kind of thematically or, or loosely before delving into the these deeper or more specific aspects of the text or music? Well, uh, Smith talked about what their work is generally about, uh, which is love and relationships. And that uh, was really interesting to me and uh, well, felt very attractive to me for a kind of art pop song. Um, and then we came up with a kind of brainstormed list of other topics that branched off of that love in the time of a pandemic, uh, social isolation, um, personal trauma. I can't remember the full list now, but I mean, I, I think that most of the themes were pretty connected to, to Smith's other work, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I was glad everyone was kind of on board uh, with the themes that, that we did end up deciding because it, it definitely wasn't outside of my, my writing comfort zone or anything. So so that was uh, nice that the group was kind of uh, on the same page about that. And I, I also think that um, we all have a sort of joint appreciation for genres that are less um, normal, I guess, in the classical idiom and more abstract, like pop or indie or folk sounds. And I think some of these themes really lent themselves well to that genre that we also wanted to perhaps emulate. That was like a thought that came up really early in our discussions. So I think that really went hand in hand. It was almost like a seamless given that that we would end up creating something where I think the text almost implies what the music is supposed to sound like. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that's really special. And, and, and getting to hear, you know, our first little mock-up today is already very exciting. And Yeah, I was just going to add, um, I think one thing too, when we were in this collaborative process with the text, um, we were talking a lot about what we didn't want the text to be. If I recall correctly, it was kind of like, we don't want the text to be sort of like this plot line, something that's like happening in, you know, the first person, like I'm going to do this thing, but rather kind of more conceptual and a little bit um, more thematic in a broad sense. So we kind of all agreed on that as our very kind of vague theme. Um, and then kind of ran with it. And Smith came in with like three terrific texts, like right off the bat. And they were all really different in mood, which I actually really enjoyed all of them for different reasons. 
But then that was kind of what initiated this collaborative process of picking the lines we loved the most and then kind of doing this collage together. So it was a great process um, working with everyone on text, something that I don't have a lot of experience doing, but it was really fun. One more thing before we dive into the score and the music. Um, Smith, you repeated certain words. Was that a choice on your end performatively or is that something that you hope to musically represent? <laughs> Well, one of the things that I that I said pretty early on that I was, you know, I think was really different than writing a poem versus um, like text for a song was repetition. And, you know, in a poem, I would never really repeat like things as, as much as, as I think they do get repeated in a song. Um, you know, I think one of the really useful things that, that I that we did as a group was listen to this St. Vincent song that like I'm blanking on which song it was. But I looked up the lyrics to that because I was just curious uh, when I was writing, um, you know, how long the lyrics were, et cetera, for whatever, a four or five minute song. Um, and it was pretty short. And a lot of the words were just repeated over and over again. Um, so I said pretty early on, I think that, you know, I would need help help repeating things, you know, and feel free to repeat them as much as they were, because I, I don't really know how to how to write that repetition, um, uh, you know, in the song. Uh so, yeah, yeah. So that that being said, I didn't um, repeat that as like a, a dramatic effect for this podcast. But I think we are playing around with some some of that repetition of, of those parts of the text, um, maybe for the, the final version of the song. I think that's totally right. That's, you know, kind of exactly what happened. And um, it also just kind of like historically I, in, in music history, like you'll see tons of libretto and text um, in in vocal works and even operas that uh, the text alone is just maybe one one sentence or something, but then specific words are repeated for emphasis. And this is just something that kind of um, has been a staple of like, you know, vocal writing for ages. So I think it's kind of we're taking on that maybe archaic way of um, of putting text to music um, in the sense that we're just kind of repeating the specific phrases that we found really endearing to us. Is that something that you thought about in terms of creatively the repetition of Baldwin? Maybe you want to speak to that a little bit, because I think that's an important aspect of setting text is the kind of the liberal choice of, of repetition, where where you do it, why you do it, et cetera. Is that something that, that you want to speak to? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I think that whenever you listen to someone sing something, there's already two planes of information coming at you, you know, the semantic content of the words themselves, and then the musical content, which uh, can sometimes support that can sometimes be you know, dramatically ironic to it. But in, in any case, it's, a, it's, a, it's another plane of information. And I think that's a lot to process for listeners, at least from my perception, really hard to set and also hear art songs that have really complicated texts um, because it's just too much to unpack in a very prescribed listening experience. Mm -hmm. So um, repetition is one technique to help unpack that the verbiage and the um, stream of information coming at you. And Smith, do you have uh, thoughts about, like, were you okay with those repetitions or, or did you have thoughts about them yourself or...? Oh yeah, I was I was totally fine with them. I I uh, you know, like I said, I it's not something I would ever write like in one of my poems per se, but I can hear why that that those repetitions need to happen and I think it's was also kind of exciting to hear like what people wanted to to say more than once, you know, what people 
uh, felt like uh, either musically carried, like like prosodically in, in the line, or was just like an important uh, part of the the text that that felt like it needed uh, to be repeated. I thought was kind of interesting uh, from my perspective. So so I was happy to kind of be be a part of this repetition process that I, that I'm not really used to. Let's now listen to Baldwin's electronic mock-up of the music so far. Note that these are sampled sounds. The voice is represented by a flute sound, and the piano, which will be prepared with blue tack, clothespins, and dimes, is approximated by MIDI drum samples. So Baldwin, when you were getting ready to to write music, um, was it after you saw a completed text from Smith, or did you have some sounds coming to mind already, and just the the lines that you had coming your way so far? Yeah, uh, well, Smith gave me I think the first two lines at first, um, but I had a pretty good idea of where they were headed. Um, because they gave us these three beautiful drafts of uh, other works in progress. So I, I kind of had it, uh, I, I had some understanding of the possible direction of all of it. Um, so that uh, combined with um, what Vedita and Georgia told me they wanted musically out of the piece. So uh, Vedita told me that she wanted something fast and agile. Uh, Georgia said she wanted something with uh, kind of a minimalist sense of repetition. Um, and, you know, kind of mixing all those three things together, I came up with something that, you know, has repetition, uh, I get, has a kind of agility to the vocal part, um, but is also uh, reflective of my own harmonic interests in microtonality um, and indie pop forms as well. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I kind of started with these aesthetic goals really first. And then as more of the text came in, I just started breaking down the metric scheme um, and, at, you know, kind of rearranging phrases and finding patterns in the rhythm until I had something that flowed together. Mm. And Vidita or Georgia, do you want to jump in 
in regards to your role in, in helping Baldwin out in with this direction? I don't know. I would say I think we both sort of expressed what we like to do and what we feel like we're good at. Um, and Baldwin sort of rolled with that. I think um, the extended technique is especially something that um, is sort of unfamiliar territory for me, but I remember um, Georgia mentioning that right on like day one, sort of. And I love how much that's incorporated into the into the song. I was just going to say, this is so up my alley because um, there's kind of two keyboards happening at the same time. So um, the uh, piano itself is going to be uh, prepared. There's going to be um, like a percussive element in the piano part, which is really cool um, that I imagine I'll be playing largely with my left hand and then the melodic line in my right. Um, and then there's the keyboard on top of the piano that will have a very different sound. Um, one that Baldwin has picked out, which is very cool. Um, and yeah, this was certainly um, a really fantastic kind of representation of both Vedita and my interest because the vocal line is really agile it's really flexible um which goes perfectly with Vedita's like vocal range and and style um and the piano part is almost sometimes in this piece from what I've heard I've only listened to it once uh, the mock-up but uh kind of like a canon so there's a lot of kind of an uh question answer going on in terms of Vedita starting a phrase and then I'll pick it up with my um melodic right hand line and vice versa. So that's going to be really cool, a very um, kind of conversational piece from what I can tell. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, that made me think of another point is that <laughs> I um, really emphasize how much I enjoy and I touched on this a little bit in, in my earlier chat with you, Maggie and Ben, um, that I love for the voice to be treated like a part of the texture or like an instrument even. Mm -hmm. So um, I really love sort of the intervallic and rhythmic uh, textures, and, and and it definitely provides a challenge for me, um, orally especially, which I'm I'm really always up for, and the sort of conversation that that you know is demanded of me and Georgia here, I think is it's going to be fun, especially recording this virtually. Um, it's going to be an interesting challenge for sure, but I think it's going to end up sounding really cool, um, especially considering this is sort of our our take on a indie folk or like indie pop song, indie art song, if you will. <laughs> um, and, I, and I've never considered myself, I've never considered myself to have like a typical classical sound in that, in that genre. So um, I, I just really love what this demands from me vocally and I'm excited to dive in. Mm -hmm. Georgia, you obviously told Baldwin that you kind of like sort of this minimalistic or sort of more repetitive vibe did you discuss some of the prepared piano like what's technically feasible what you sort of prefer to do uh i mean prepared piano is sort of a fraught subject in the world of piano uh <laughs> so yeah was that a discussion that you guys had early on yeah it, it was we definitely talked um maybe not early on but certainly after we realized that there were going to be kind of different components to the piano part uh that were not just kind of traditional piano um uh you know on the keys playing but instead also preparing the piano and for listeners who may not know what that means it means that you're putting um, certain objects or your hands on the strings of the piano uh, on a grand piano to um, you can mute the sound you can alter the the um, the pitch of the strings by 
creating harmonics on the piano. You can, um, I believe there's like um, clothespins in this particular piece and blue tack. They, they'll definitely create, I'm guessing the clothespin is going to create definitely um, more of a sharp attack sound um, when I strike the key because it will be compressing the string. Um, and the blue tack will certainly kind of dampen the sound because it's a little bit uh, softer in material. So there's just different objects and, and um, you know, little tools that you can put on the piano strings or um, in different parts of the grand piano to uh, manipulate the sound when, when the key is struck. Um, so I, I mean, we did talk a lot about kind of different prepared piano things, um, but bald, uh, we didn't talk specifically about what kind of um, tools that we would be using for this piece. I think we mentioned something like rice or something like to weigh down the piano um, strings. Am I right, Baldwin? I can't remember what you had mentioned, but it sounded very cool. Oh yeah, we talked about different options to mute the piano. One of our first inspirations, like Vegeta said, was this uh, arrangement of a St. Vincent song for solo piano and, and solo voice. Um, and the pianist Doveman did a lot of muting uh, of inside the piano. And we were kind of talking back and forth about different ways to mute it. Eventually I set it all in blue tack instead of the rice. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, my, you know, just kind of my overall approach was uh, to go for the sounds that I wanted to go for. And I knew that Georgia would be super open and willing to try stuff out and just open-minded in general about that kind of sound world. So I felt very privileged to be working with a pianist who kind of said, here's the open door, do whatever you want. But the beginning, the prepared piano is almost like sort of like a drum kit or like some percussion that you sort of hear as a bed, a rhythmic bed in something like production kind of mindset, right? But yeah, can you speak to that, how, how that emerges from the, the poem? Sure. So uh, yeah, I, I, the prepared piano sounds definitely have a percussive element. And in the mock-up, I just substituted them for a drum kit because yeah. I think, yeah, that uh, that speaks to the rhetoric of it, at least. It came from the text, but also this reference to Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Fleabag, um, in that I wanted something upbeat, um, you know, kind of quirky, um, but could really quickly shift and be flexible when I needed to change the affect. Um, so it, it starts off with a, a, a real, like, kind of rock backbeat through some rhythmic manipulation, uh, it dissolves, it gets faster, gets slower, becomes very irregular. To me, something that was inspired by the quick turns in Phoebe Waller-Bridge's comedy. Um, and I, I think the same thing applies to the harmony. Like having working in this extended just intonation world, you can have things that are really consonant, um, but very, very quickly turn to something that's ultra dissonant. Yeah, those quick turns are definitely something I was thinking about uh, in relationship to Phoebe Waller-Bridge and things that are kind of latent in, in Smith's text. Smith, do you have reactions to the music after hearing the mock-up or just seeing, you know, the, the process that Baldwin's taken in interpreting your text? Uh, yeah, I I mean, I just think it's, I mean, so cool and super good. Uh, it's It's so bizarre, you know, I think to like write something that, you know, it's just, uh, you know, words into silence. Um, but to see how, you know, people can like hear music either from it or kind of alongside it or to kind of help it, push it, et cetera. 
has been just like so uh, fascinating and just to like hear you know hear what what comes out of you know some uh, set of words I think has been um, just a really interesting experience I, I I don't you know when I read it I don't like hear anything myself so to hear what other people hear has been uh, one of like the really great parts of this project for sure so why don't we wrap up today's discussion with just talking about what's next for everyone so we kind of have moved into performance aspects, right? So can each person maybe talk about what's next for your group? So of course, we've just seen the score today. So we'll probably be diving in to just, you know, listening, learning, getting it into the voice, at least in my um, situation. I think a lot of times for singers, there's like a certain muscle memory you have to develop for any piece. It's like, it's one thing to know the notes, but I have to like get it into my <laughs> uh, physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, of course. And and another thing that I was just thinking about actually is that I guess I've never had anything like written for me. I tend to be, I've always tended to be a really um, perceptive singer in that I would listen to recordings or follow suggestions like stylistic suggestions based on listening um so i i'm like kind of like okay like this is all me like i get to set the precedent for this piece you know so um i think that'll be probably a combination of my own choices as well as um baldwin's so i'm looking forward to probably maybe meeting one-on-one or just maybe the three of us me baldwin and georgia on um, maybe coaching or, or deciding as a group stylistically what we want to to convey um, with our performance. I know my my next step is going to be trying to choreograph all of the um, different uh, stabs that I'm seeing and um, trying to make sure that I, everything's possible first and that, uh, you know, there's kind of a smooth... Um, you know, choreography going on between the hands and between the different keyboards. So that's going to be my next step. Um, Baldwin and I have also been in touch about meeting on Monday about um, recording some of the piano stuff and then doing a Zoom session to talk about different sound options and um, whether or not the blue tack and the the dime and the um, clothespin are going to sound kind of as Baldwin was imagining, because that's another common thing is that sometimes composers will ask for these things with a certain sound in mind, and it's not exactly how they envisioned it. So I think that's probably the next step for me. I wonder also, um, Smith, do you feel like your job is done? (laughs) Or um, will there be any text revisions at this point? I... I feel like I'm done, I guess I say hesitantly, unless something goes awry. Uh, but I feel really good about the text. Uh, and so, yeah, I think unless, you know, something something drastic comes up or uh, we need to kind of re- reassemble something, I think the text is, is pretty complete. You know, once I've kind of learned it and gotten it into my system, I would love to kind of run my interpretation by um, Smith just to know what they think about, like, um, you know, emphasis on certain words or, you know, whether the intention behind um, certain phrases is what they intended, things like that. So um, that'll probably be another step further along. And um, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, um, but we were chatting about the potential of a music video to accompany this. So that's also oh, cool. something we've, <laughs> um, nice. you know, been throwing around some ideas for. So. Uh, yeah, that, that'll be my next big job uh, is, well, helping uh, Georgia and Medita 
prepare recordings of their tracks, but then also uh, editing a video together uh, and maybe generating some loose storyboard with Smith uh, and, and everyone else. So, yeah, I think uh, we had talked from the beginning about shooting a music video. So hopefully that can still happen. Cool. That would be awesome. Yeah. It's so um, it's like very much a experiment in a way like, yeah, that 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 realization really hit me today when I was looking at the music. I was like, it's really all me. Like I'm creating the first ever (laughs) version of this. And, um, you know, it's like it's it's very humbling, I think. All right. Well, yeah, I think we'll we'll close out there and. Look forward to diving into the score more, Baldwin, Tenor, seeing what you've made. Uh, but until then, I guess we'll see you guys in three weeks and uh, we'll see how, how things are progressing in terms of recording. Great. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank right. you. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Yeah. You too. See you guys. Bye. Bye. We'll talk with Budita, Baldwin, Georgia, and Smith again in three weeks to hear about the recording process and any final edits to the score and text. Next week, we will begin that discussion of final steps, and we'll chat again with Group 1. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at How It's Musically Made. Feel free to send us questions and comments through a direct message. See you next week. This project is supported in part by the Paul R. Judy Center for Innovation and Research at the Eastman School of Music. If you would like to sponsor an episode or contribute to the project, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram at How It's Musically Made.